Hey guys and welcome back to yet another episode of Truthfully Ruth. It's your host here Ruth Olubai. Man, man, man. Guys, you showed me so much love and support with season 1. I can only say thank you. Thank you to everybody who was able to listen to an episode, one, two episodes, four episodes, the whole season, five episodes. I'm grateful to everyone. If there's any episode that you missed, please go play them back. All my guests were phenomenal individuals who had so many wonderful nuggets to share, and I think that there's something you can gain from each and every episode. So today however I'd really really missed you guys and I decided you know what why don't I do a bonus episode I'd missed recording I'd missed setting up my equipment and feeling like I'm in the studio <laughs> and I decided you know what yeah I'll do a bonus and just not any bonus a bonus that heavily involves you guys so I decided to do a bonus Q&A I hope that you guys feel like your questions were answered adequately in this episode Everybody who didn't send in a question but you're listening to this please DM me let me know what your thoughts were on some of these topics sit back and enjoy Today as we start the Q&A episode I just want to begin by saying for the individuals who took time to compliment me on that Q&A sticker you know yourself <laughs> thank you so much I really do appreciate it and now on to the serious questions The first question that I would like to address from the Q&A sticker was what has been the hardest part about the podcast? Confidence, staying positive. Yeah, this was a good question. <laughs> this was a good question because I think every day when I think about truthfully Ruth, I'm always so excited and so happy because this is something that I didn't know whether it would come to life, but it was a dream for me. And of course with all dreams and even as I was sharing in the journey episode episode 5, you really just hope you it's a lot of hoping and believing and trusting you know so when i got this question i was really happy because it made me realize that even you guys were listening know that this journey isn't like all sunshine and roses so what has been the hardest part about it for me so the person wrote confidence i don't think confidence has been an issue for me because um as i told you guys before i feel like my life have been very confident of Can you say learn to be charismatic? <laughs> You're born that way, yeah. And that kind of thing. I'm also very very optimistic. I'm a very glass half full person. I've always been that way and I've indoctrinated that so that like motto into myself. But I think I would say patience has definitely been a struggle for me. And I say this because it's the patience that the platform will grow. Because of how much I love Truthfully Ruth and because of how much I'm driven by the fact that I just want people to be impacted positively people to grow people to just have a wonderful experience from listening to me and my guests i feel like i just want thousands of people to be listening but a journey of a thousand steps is a journey of a thousand steps starts with a single one so every day just reminding myself okay this is my vision this is my dream what do i need to do today to get there that's all i can worry about what do i need to do today and as well like when you're the one wearing all the hats like halima was saying and our first hand experience this with truthfully ruth you're the editor you're the recorder you're the marketer you're <laughs> everything it's not the easiest thing cuz you're putting in such a large time investment that it can easily become frustrating when you're not seeing it translating into like listens or followers or stuff like that but i'm realizing that patience pays and even just the engagement that i've had in season 1 let me tell you guys i didn't expect it to be like that so for me gratitude is a must Okay, on to the next question. What inspires you or keeps you motivated to take on the day? This is a good one because I mean every day is different and not every day is a good day. 
okay, every day is a good day. <laughs> not every day is ideal, you know. But I think for me, the first thing when I get up, I like to say this. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I think in that already, I'm surrendering the day to God. You might not be a believer, but for me personally, that's the first thing that I do. And I feel like it really works for me because I recognize that this day is a gift. There are many people who wished to see the day that I have and they don't. So therefore, it's precious to me and I definitely can't waste it. The second thing that I think about is that every day is a fresh start. You know, yesterday something could have gone wrong. But today is another day when you can change that, when you can grow, when you can learn, when you can even correct the things that you felt yesterday you didn't do well. So I think just remembering that it's a blank canvas, I can change the things I didn't do yesterday. And even just being inspired every day to remember that like there's a, there's a vision, there's something I'm working towards and I can only control my narrative and control what happens today. So let me try and be happier. Let me try and do more and let me try and be better, you know? And thirdly is what I'm saying, my life's dream. Thinking of the future I want, the kind of family that I want, where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? And just knowing that I have to lay one brick today towards that five-year goal, towards that 10-year vision. I have to lay one break today, move the needle 1% forward so that I can get there. So just being able to think, okay, today is one day and it's a present moment, but it's a present moment in a bigger picture. I think that really, really helps me to stay motivated. And especially because, I mean, we're tired. For example, right now when I'm recording this, I'm so tired. Like, I'm tired of school. I was telling my mom about this. I've been telling a few of my friends. Like, I'm tired. Like, Nimechoka, but... The bottom line is now I have to find that discipline from within because at that point, it's not even motivation that gets you through. It's the discipline and the reliance on the routines that you have made for yourself that will help you get out of such funks. And I think that that's the thing. Motivation is nice and it's good and it's dandy, but it's not always there. So to whoever asked this question or whoever might be feeling like this was a question that was beneficial to them, remember that motivation is not permanent. It's not sustainable as well. So try and build for yourself habits and routines that will serve you so that whenever you do wake up and you're not motivated, like me, I could wake up and these three things don't motivate me. I have something to lean on, the habits that I've um, made for myself. The third question was one to two people that I look up to. This is a very interesting one. <laughs> because I think if you ask me this question like two years ago, I'll tell you, ah, you know, this thing of looking up to people, it puts a lot of pressure on yourself and on them. But I think the older I've grown, I've realized that there's really no pressure on anybody. If somebody tells you, oh, I look up to you, or you say, oh, I look up to so-and-so. Because my happiness is my responsibility. And even though I look up to them, the most important thing is not to project my expectations on them. Because I think the problem becomes when I look up to you and then I want you to be a certain way. Because the day you're not, I'll be so disappointed that it won't even make sense why I looked up to you, you know? But anyway, with that pre-intro to the <laughs> answer to my question, or to that question, I think I'd say the first person I look up to is Jesus. And why do I say that? Leaving even faith out of it, religion out of it. Jesus, I think, was the greatest, not even I think, I know, was the greatest human to ever walk on the earth, given that he was man and God. But I think just strip it down to what it is about him. I think it's the kindness, it's the gentleness, it's the life ethos, and most of all, it's the sacrifice for his loved ones. I think for me, the most important thing in life is my loved ones after my happiness or my loved ones and my happiness concurrently, whatever. 
And I think being able to sacrifice for my loved ones. Okay, I'm not over glorifying sacrifice as well. There's a place you draw a line. But in the sense that for me as Ruth, if there's something that I can do for somebody who I say that I love, let me do it. You know, sometimes it will be out of my way, but let me do it. Sometimes I can't afford it per se, but I have the means. Let me do it. So for me, just looking at him objectively that way, I think that, I don't know, I would be crazy not to want to emulate that. And there's a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine called Brandon. Brandon, shout out to you, and I hope you're listening to this. We had this conversation just before I left for school. And we were talking about how, in life, if you live trying to emulate Christ, like the positive things, I mean, Christ was all around positive. There was nothing negative about him. If we had an, like unlimited time on earth, if we were immortals, and that was your goal, really exponentially you could possibly achieve it of course you're man so you have sinful nature and you will fall and you will make mistakes but exponentially you would you would get to a place which you would be very 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 close you know but in life we don't have we're not immortal we have when we are when you're born the only certain next thing is when you'll die and just being able to emulate even the small things here and there here and there here and there for every day that is a gift it's so important because at the end of the day when you leave here this earth you for me i think i want to be remembered for being a good person for being kind for sacrificing where i didn't need to and especially when it's to do with my loved ones so definitely christ i think is the first person i look up to and the second person is my dear sweetheart mother mother i love you and i know you're listening to this why i say i look up to my mom i mean anybody who's met my mom knows my mom is one of the kindest and most understanding people that I know in my life. In my 22 years, soon 22 years on this earth, she's she's the guy. Because firstly, I think her and my dad, my dad, shout out to my dad also. <laughs> I think her and my dad have taught me what healthy marriage looks like. There are many things that I look at them. I mean, guys, we need to cut our parents some slack. Why do I say that? They're humans like us. And remember, even them becoming parents... There's no guide to that. Ati, there's a book. Okay, Asia did this. So open page 267. And this is the response to, <laughs> to whatever she did. There's no guide. They Parenting, just like adulting, is a lot of guesswork. But it's very calculated guesswork. And I think growing up and seeing my parents that way, they've taught me a lot of lessons, you know, just looking at them. And my mom, like has this ability to sacrifice. And I don't know if you guys are seeing a trend. Mm? The people I look up to, <laughs> the sacrificial nature. We have not said joke with my mom where I call her Mother Teresa because <laughs> my mom can give even the clothes on her back if she could. And I think for me that's, that's so beautiful because it's never about her. She, the selflessness that she has, it's never about her. And I think that for me that challenges me because... How many times do I stop and say, ah, because Z, I'm not willing, you know, I can't like, because it's me, 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 me. But when you just remove yourself from that me and look at a bigger picture, there's a kid in a village who needs a math teacher. Can I go and do that? You know, there are girls somewhere without sanitary towels. Can I rally people to put money together and let's do something about it? I think the minute you stop just looking at me, 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 that's when things change for you. Because even um, God blesses those who... Your heart is bigger. It's bigger. It's looking forward. It's looking outward. Selfishness, really, it's not It's not a good trait to have. So all in all, I'd say that my mother, I really look up to her because she's all in, all roundedly like an, a very reasonable woman. And also the things in how she carries herself, her gentleness, her peaceful nature. Ugh, man, her God-fearingness. Like this child, I could go on with it the whole day. But <laughs> we have other questions to get to. So yeah, the two people I look up to is Jesus and my mother. 
Okay, the next question. Let's take a break from serious stuff, by the way, because this first half, those were like questions. Who do I look up to? What motivates me? Blah, blah. Okay. The next half, hey, some of the questions that you guys put in, you're putting me in a tight spot. <laughs> but anyway, before we get there, let's take an intermittent break with this question that was asked by my big sister, Judy. Judy, shout out to you. Judy asked me my top five book recommendations because she feels like or she thinks that I'm really a bookworm. Judy, thank you firstly, because that's one of the biggest compliments you could ever tell me. And uh, let me just start by telling you guys a short story. So 2020, we had the pandemic. We had to go home. Okay, may I have come from uni. Now, Judy's sister is Joanne, who I shouted out also a few episodes ago. And I'll shout out again in this list. She's my brother's friend. So my brother introduced me to Joanne when we were in LA and like me and her just like got along and everything. So when we came home due to the pandemic, I mean, there was not much to do. At that time, Kay, you couldn't move around. Also, people's parents, they're fretting. So you can't even go to your friend's house. So like one day we were talking with Joanne and Joanne was like, Ruth, why don't we start a book club? And I was like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Mind you guys, at this time, hey, I even finished one book in my life, cover to cover. Hmm. I was just saying, yeah, yeah it sounds like a good idea. When I know already my reading habits were poor. But I thought, you know what, this is a chance to improve. She said, yeah, you know what, let's also add my sister Judy into it. And let me tell you guys, Judy is one person who, she's a beast. <laughs> she's a beast because Judy is the definition of get knocked down, 99, get up 100. And I really hope one day Judy comes on here and we can just chat with her. Because guys, like, she's, she's something special. She is something special. So we started this book club and we would read, we would read, even some months we would read two books a month. Hey, we were, we were really doing it. And by the end of 2020... I think the biggest thing that I took out of it, and I was even sharing this with Joanne just this week, one of the biggest takeaways I had from the pandemic was I, I became an avid reader. Like right now, guys, I can do two books a month. I can do three a month, depending how my schedule looks, how much time I make for it. And it's not even like I'm saying this that in order to make you feel bad if you don't read or something like that. No, I'm saying this to encourage you. Look at me. By 2020, I hadn't finished one book cover to cover. 2020, and now we're in 2022, I've probably read more than 50 books, cover to cover. And I can tell you what each, like, I can tell you, I remember this, I remember that vividly, yeah, this, yeah, that. And for me, I was sharing this with a friend, this, like, recently. I only read self-development or business books. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm not one of those guys for novels. But there's a book record I'll give you that says, you know what, read anything. Read anything as long as you're reading and read widely. That's what's important. So most of my book records, they're going to be self-development. And I don't say self-help because really, self-help is, as in it doesn't rub me the right way. So <laughs> we're going to use the term self-development. So my first recommendation is all about love. Hey, 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 let me tell you guys. Shout out to Tiffany for encouraging me to read this book this year. Guys, this book is a game changer. Huh? This book is a game changer. Especially because the last question I'm going to answer today. The answer to this question, that question, is in this book. As in, guys, please, if you do anything for yourself, go and read all about love. As a young person, I think we have our own traumas. We have our own understandings of love what it should be, what it should look like. So many things, even that they are just in our head, you know. And I think that this lady, um, Bell Hooks, who wrote this book, one of my biggest takeaways, because I won't do spoilers, I'll just give you some snippets here and there. <laughs> one of my biggest takeaways was that she used Scott Peck's um, definition of love, you know, the ability to grow someone spiritually as they grow you spiritually. Man, you know, I think that thing chappered me 10 nil Because I said... Wow, how many times have I said I love you to someone? 
a friend, whatever, it doesn't matter, the relationship. Yet I'm the only one building their spiritual. What about me? Even me, my life matters, you know? My spirit matters, my growth matters. Or how many times have I been telling someone, I love you, I love you, but they are the only ones pouring into me. You know, just stopping to realize, at the way, yani, it's about you give me, I give you, you grow, I grow. But at the end of the day, there are so many other lessons, but I don't want to spoil them. So that's the first book record. The second one is Defining Decade. Guys, if you're between ages 18 and 25, you need to grab a copy of this book. It doesn't matter if it's a virtual, hard copy. But once you read the virtual, believe me, you'll buy the hard copy because this book was 1010. I read it when I was 18. Mm, I hadn't even, I wasn't even thinking that one day I'll ever be 20. Hey, let me tell you guys, after. I crossed that 19 mark. I think real life just slaps you because 2021 20, now, Uku, you're just feeling like, hey, is this adulting 1.5? It's not looking cute. Then I look at my cousin, he's like 29, and he's like, yeah, Uku took adulting 2.2. I'm just thinking, wait, the road is long. <laughs> but this book, I think, was so important to me because it shaped a lot of my perspectives going into my early 20s. And as in the way the lady wrote the book, she's a psychologist as well. The way she wrote the book was that she wanted everybody in their 20s to be able to realize that the next 10 years between 20 and 30 can change your life forever. And I completely agree with her because, guys, the habits that we build now, they are, you're not going to get married at 30 and begin to change them if you've been doing them from 18 to 30. Not possible. And she touches on even things that, you know, they're a bit risque topics like uh, cohabitation effect and stuff like that. And I think, Yanni, the way she'll open your brain, even things like she's just honest about our biological clocks, even as ladies like children, childbirth, blah, blah. Guys, you need to get a copy of that book. That's my second one. The third one, Ego is the Enemy. Guys, you know how many of us even conflict resolution in Gumu because you just can't swallow your pride. You don't even, sometimes even you don't even know it's your ego disturbing you. This book by Ryan Holiday was a game changer and it was my first book of his that I ever read. And I think I've read every book he's put out since and I think two before that because this guy, I absolutely love him. I did a lot of stoic and philosophic work too, but that's a story for another day because <laughs> I could go on and on and on about that. So this book, I highly recommend it. It's important for you to understand your ego, understand yourself understand what ego death looks like what you can do even to just be more aware of how you're carrying yourself the fourth recommendation daring greatly by Brené brown firstly if you've not watched Brené brown's ted uh not yeah ted talk on vulnerability umelala guys please just pause here get your phone open her ted talk listen to it it's it's short like 16 minutes something like that it's not too long and let me tell you guys, this lady, she has shaped my belief on vulnerability. She's just made me be able to strip away all that like worry, that baggage. <laughs> you know, the way she just explains to you, Yanni, what vulnerability can do for you. How it can change the relationships that you're in. How it just helps you to level up. Guys, I'm telling you, there's a question, this book, some of them can just answer that question for me. Like they can just, they can help, you know. <laughs> so that book, I highly recommend it for you guys. And especially for this one, my biggest takeaway was about when she touched on judgment and shame. You know, actually a lot in the African society. Um, I don't know about other places in the world that well, but I'll speak about the African society. There's a lot of judgment and shame. You know, once you've deviated from a path or a plan that your parents made for you, that your aunties made for you, that your uncles made for you, your relatives made for you, I, now there's shame. Hmm. Guys, she well, the way she tackles how you don't need to pass judgment or induce shame on anyone. 
Hey, me these days, when I see that, that's a red flag. That's a very big red flag. Whether it's for a friendly relationship, a romantic relationship, anything, even a mentor. The minute I see somebody passing sh- um, judgment or inducing shame on others, yeah, you can just forget about me because you're not the kind of person I want to, to be around me. So definitely another must read. Then the fifth one is the Almanac of Naval. Now here's where John's shout-out comes. John, shout-out to you again. John told me to read this book like two weeks ago. And I literally read it in three settings, maybe within two to three days max. What a book. It's a guide on wealth and happiness. And I think this guy, the two takeaways I had, one, the essence of my time, the value of my time, putting a dollar amount on my time and saying, look, if this can be done and it's not worth this amount, dash it. I don't need to do it right now. It doesn't have to be done by me. It can be done by someone else, you know. And then also the definition of wisdom. That wisdom is the long is the realization now of the long-term impacts of your actions. And Yanni, this guy, when he explains to you about looking long-term and that kind of thing, your minds will be blown. Anyway, because I've read so many books and I love re- reading, I couldn't just give you five. I really tried. I really tried. But I was like, no, I'm going to give you bonus ones. Okay, so bonus two books. One, Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday again. Life is difficult. There are many challenges. He changed my thought on what perspective is and how to overcome these obstacles. And the second bonus book, The Courage to be Disliked. Guys, I know so many of us are struggling with this thing of you want to be liked, you want to be accepted, you want to be understood. That's not always the case and it's not always going to be the case. So can you be able to live knowing that you're misunderstood, knowing that you're not liked, knowing that everybody's not going to like you, you know? This book, it's a it's a Japanese book, I think. And the way it was like written as a story, ugh, it's so soothing, guys. You'll finish this book in no time. You won't even realize that by the way that you've been reading. No, it's one of those easy reads. So, back to the serious questions now. Not that Judy's question wasn't serious. It really was. But now, back to more meaty stuff. So, one of my cohort mates I studied with this guy asked, he would love to hear about cultural differences between Kenya and the places we've been in for WBB. So, what is WBB? WBB is the course I do, guys. It's called the World Bachelor in Business. Uh, Long story short, my first year was at University of Southern California in Los Angeles. My second year was at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology in Hong Kong. And currently, I'm in my junior year at um, Bocconi University in Milan. So he's curious about the different um, cultural, like, the experiences. Firstly, yesterday when I was taking a walk, um, it just hit me how lucky I am to have lived in three different places outside of my home. And why do I say lived? You know, guys, tourism is living, by the way. Those trips we take at you with our zeals, firstly, your parents are financing it. It's big chilling, <laughs> you know. They're spoiling you. It's shopping, shopping, shopping. You're there for a week, two weeks, whatever you go back. Guys, that experience and actually living somewhere for a year are night and day. Two very, very, very different things. So I would say, like, the first thing, starting with the U.S., I feel like the U.S. is a much more liberal society than Kenya. Um... And that's maybe because of time, maybe because of ethos, whatever it is, uh, societal things, religion. But that's, I think, would be the first cultural difference, I would say. Um, the second thing I would say in terms of Milano, Milano is very, Italy, I mean, from what I've experienced, it's a very family-oriented place. And this reminds me of Kenya. There, they're similar because Kenya also is a very family-oriented place, I'd like to believe. And it's a thing of togetherness and community and that kind of thing. I see that here. However, I would say that um, the time people eat here, it's quite late. And I think that's a cultural difference because at home, I feel like we eat earlier, slightly earlier. But yeah, that's one difference I would say. 
And um, also another thing is, I don't know if this counts as a cultural difference, but like one thing I found strange when I came to Milano the first time was that like shops close, you know, shops close, restaurants close. I was like, hey, what do you mean closed? You know, because they have like lunch sittings and dinner sittings and like that's it. And then like some shops are closed for lunch and then they close early in the evening. Like KE is a 24-hour economy. For those who know, if you know, you know. <laughs> you know, in Canairo, if you're looking for food at a certain place, it could be two years from the Dunda, you'll find food, you know. Whereas like here, a lot of the places just close and stuff. I found that really, really weird at first. Um... Hong Kong, I absolutely loved Hong Kong. Let me tell you guys, Hong Kong has my heart because that place, if you get a chance and you can afford to, please guys, go to Hong Kong. If I didn't go to this program, I would never have gone to Hong Kong and I would never have known how amazing that place is. So guys, please, if you have the funds and you're able, don't sleep on Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a really, really, really amazing place. And I would say Asian and African culture are quite similar. And overall, I think one thing I've taken from the whole experience in terms of differences from the Western home the West is a very individualistic space. And I have had this conversation with my good friend, Brianna. I pray one day I can come on here with her and we can talk about it. Because we had, like, the way we talked, I think everybody needs to hear that conversation just to be encouraged. But, um, yeah, it's very individualistic. It's me, me, me. You don't know who your neighbor is. Like, even if you're cutting things and you're about to fall over, maybe one or two people would help you. Whereas I feel like in KE, you know, like, we're very talkative, nini, nini. You know, you could meet a stranger in the super and you're like, yeah, super supermarket, guys, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, you could meet a stranger and be like, oh, sorry, have you seen this? Like, where is this? Ah, can you please help me with this? And they'll actually do it, you know. We're also very community-oriented. We haven't reached the place of me, me, me. Maybe it will come as development is coming. Maybe it'll never come because of our cultural background. But, um, yeah, I think I would say that's a difference. I, my sweet, sweet cousin asked me this question. Tips on how to navigate religion at uni without it ending up on the back burner. I love this. I love this because I think we are in a time and a space where, I don't even think, I know, where it's important to respect each other, especially when it comes to religion. I know some people may feel like, oh, yeah, to be a Christian is not cool. To be a Muslim is not cool. Whatever religion you follow, it's not cool. Yeah, it's not cool, but as long as you can respect those who belong to that faith, I think that's what the most important thing is. So my tips on it, and I'll speak on Christianity because I'm a Christian myself. One, prioritize your religion. For me, when I wake up, as I, after I said that statement that I told you guys, that this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad. The next thing I do is I pray. I mean, after making my bed, of course, but yeah, I pray. Mm, I say all the things that are in my heart. I say the things of gratitude, the things of request, take care of my family, you know, the usual, whatever you pray. It doesn't matter how long your prayer is. As long as it's from your heart, uh, it's important. Because I was again talking to a friend and we were just talking about how we feel like God sees the condition of your heart. So guys, just let those prayers come from your heart. God, God has got you. And then after that, I immediately do my devotion. I have done this every single day. And I think this year so far, maybe I've just missed three devotions. So it's a proven strategy. It works. I've not only used it this year. I've used it over and over again. Prioritize your religion. Wake up, read and pray, regardless of whatever religion you ascribe to. Secondly, don't be shy about it. Why do I say that? When you're able to tell your friends, hey, Thursday night, like for me, Thursday night I have Bible study from this time to this time. And Sunday, I have church from this time to this time. People learn to respect you. What do I mean by that? Your friends then with the time when they see how serious you are and because you're not shy about it, they won't make plans 
at that time and even if you say no because of that they tend to be understanding i mean i'm hoping you are, you guys are keeping reasonable people around you in your circle remembering that <laughs> you're an average of the five people you spend the most time with but just being able to not be shy about it and say it you find that you end up missing less church days missing less bible study sessions missing less fellowships because then you've already made it clear that this time is blocked out but my rest of my day is free or we can do it at this other time my third tip is fellowship with others. It doesn't matter if it's virtually, in person. Talk to people, share thoughts. What did you read this week? How did you find this? Especially if you're, sh- if you're reading the same devotion, it's useful. Um, You might not be reading the same devotion. doesn't matter. Even if it's your mother, just or your dad or your sister or your auntie, whatever. Talk to somebody about it because I feel like when you fellowship, you learn from others and you grow in your faith. But as well, it's reassuring to you that you're not the only one who believes there's somebody else who's believing they might be with you in the same place your uni mate or whatever they might not really doesn't matter that fellowship is important for you and lastly stand firm in your faith as i said when i started this answer to this question it might not be cool to others others may not understand your job is not to make people understand things or why you do things no your job is to be okay with it because you're responsible for your own happiness and your own life and how you choose to carry it out so stand firm for what you believe in don't let anybody ever sway you. And in that way, it'll never end up on the back burner because in that firmness, people will learn to respect you. You will learn to respect yourself and what you believe in. And there'll never be something that will take you aback and you're like, oh, I hadn't planned for this, but now uh, it's here. So let me just go. I'll do this this like prayers or whatever another time. No, stand firm. Hi, this one is the tea. And I left it for last because I think really... <laughs> When I saw this question, I just almost collapsed because I was like, yeah, we're we're going through it as a generation. But this is the question. What is your view on the kind of relationships people our age are having these days? And part B, and why do you think they are the way they are? I love this question. And I, I'm just like, I'm just like, whoa, like we're really, we're really in the belly of the beast. So I'll start by a disclaimer. I'm not a relationship expert. I'm just giving you guys my opinions. And that's why I always tell you to DM me. Let me know also what you think. And I can share some of these responses and we can have conversations and stuff. But I think my view is that uh, (laughs) most of the relationships that I know, especially in Kanai Row, the city under the sun, they're a mess. (laughs) I don't even need to put it any other way. I don't even know another way to put it. They just are simply a mess. And I say this because... As in, they're often unserious. And it's not even at the oh, like, I'm not taking relationships seriously, whatever. No, they're unserious in that the way the people in the relationships are carrying themselves. Nimchezo, it's a very big game for them. And it's about, again, now, let's go back to Brene Brown and vulnerability. When there's lack of vulnerability, I'll be always seeking to play these games with you. And personally, as Ruth, I don't have time for games. So... Many guys I see and girls, they want to play these games. You know, I like I like you, but now I'm hard to get. I'm at this, I'm at that. To extents that are crazy. They are just absurd, guys. Ridiculous. And then on top of that, when you're playing these games and you can't even be honest and you can't do a lot of things, where do you think that relationship is going? Huh? Where is it going? It's going nowhere because at the end of the day, these games, and that's what I was asking you guys again, going back to defining decade. You think now you'll play these games and you'll be cheating now at your, your early 20s, blah, blah, to go and change at 30. It doesn't work like that because all these things as well, they're habits, you know, and habits are not always good. Sometimes they're bad. And why do I think they are the way they are? I, number one, people are dating to curb loneliness. Yeah, let that sink in. And if that's you, shame on you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But yeah, people are dating to curb loneliness. 
I think loneliness is the worst ever motivation to get into a relationship. You know why I say that? I say that because I think that that means you're uncomfortable alone and that means there are some demons within you you haven't dealt with. You know, to experience loneliness, I experienced loneliness, I think, for the first time properly in 20, 2019, actually, not 2020, 2019. And the way I felt, way, I felt like I was going to die. I felt like this is the end. <laughs> that shift to uni, acclimatizing, it was really tough for me. But I think... The one thing it taught me also, there are a lot of things within me I hadn't dealt with. In high school, I just packed them up, packed them up, packed them up. But that time when I felt like I'm lonely, let me work on this. Let me tell you, I think it was like four months, five months, six months. I was just working on myself. Way working on myself, working on myself. And I think I've, I reached a place where I learned how to convert that loneliness into solitude. Loneliness and solitude are two very different things. But now that I'm saying it, I don't get lonely. I get lonely. Like, it's real life. You're going to experience loneliness. But if it's like loneliness over a long period of time, and then you're like, okay, let me just end this by getting with Nani. It's not going to work out. It's a poor motivation for a relationship. And you need to deal with yourself. Because I always say it's the same way. If you can't love yourself, how can you love me? So learn to be comfortable alone. You'll be okay being comfortable with someone else. Learn to love yourself. You'll be okay loving someone else. The second thing, I think people want to be in it, but they're not willing to um, commit and put in the work. Because relationships are work. Hey, see the sunshine and roses. You know, relationships, you want every day to be good. But just like real life, not every day is good. Today we've argued. Am I willing to put in the work to swallow my pride, deal with my ego, going back to ego is the enemy, and just talk to you and say hi? It was me today, sweetheart. I'm sorry. It was my mistake. You know, I'm a, you know, like just being able even to say, eh, like, can we go back to the drawing board? We don't want to do that. And I just want to tell you guys, relationships don't work on their own. If And if you put in the work, they work. So if you're getting into it, it as a follows thing, haha, blah, blah. Hey, utashtuka. My friend, you'll get in there, you live there with trauma. <laughs> so please. <laughs> relationships need focus they need attention and if you feel like you don't have it don't do it number three there's no communication and comprehension and those things they are couple communication and comprehension you see i could be speaking to my partner and they are not listening so i'm speaking and i'm thinking i'm communicating but they are not comprehending so we're going nowhere and on top of that there's no without communication there's no like, I can't tell you how I'm feeling. I'm not able to express it to you. You don't know, okay? Or you might know, and you're just being funny about it. So I think communication and comprehension are, uh, is so important because you'll be able to address even issues that you feel they are touchy, like jealousy or this, or, or when you did this, it made me feel like this. So I feel like these days, see, we don't have that. As in the minute somebody just does something funky, ah, you've already gone, you're showing off at you with your ex, I'm on your corner now at you, I don't care about you. Hey, this is that's the problem. That is why they are the way they are. And I think finally, I would say there's lack of honesty. In the sense that if you're not ready to be in a relationship, guys, please say so. Say so. Why do I say that? Don't carry around somebody's child, just dragging them along, and you know you're not ready. Bleeding on them from your past traumas, and you know you're not ready. Cheating, and you're not ready. So why, if you're cheating, why are you with them to begin with? You know, as in right now, we're adults. Uh, assuming that for that's for the adult population who listen to my thing. If you are young in below eighteen years, stay focused in school. Do your work. <laughs> do your work. This part of the chat wasn't for you, but it's good for you to know for your future. But yeah, like I think there's no honest. There's not enough honesty, you know. And even just being able to communicate feelings is so so difficult these days. I really don't know why. So 
I think just being able to be honest would save our generation a lot. Anyway, this chat on relationships, hey, I could go on and on and we could go on and on and I could have a gazillion guests here to talk about it, but uh, <laughs> we stay hopeful for ourselves. Anyway, guys, that's all the questions that I had time for today. I didn't want to keep you here for Suju for two hours. I'm so, so grateful for everybody who has listened. Please DM me your thoughts. I really want to know what you guys would have answered some of these questions, especially this last one. DM me, DM me. Let's have a conversation with Tandaoni. Now, I promised you guys giveaway information. So I'm ready with the first giveaway. The first giveaway is the one related to Marianne's episode, which was episode number two. If you haven't listened to it, please go play it back. There's going to be two people who will win four free therapy sessions. So two separate individuals win four three, uh, four free therapy sessions. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And you don't have to use them yourself if you want. You could give them to your sister if you feel she really needs them, your brother, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever, your mom, your dad. It's okay. As long as you've won, it's up to you what you choose to do with the four sessions. So after talking to Marianne, we agreed on the conditions for the giveaway. The first one, you have to be following Truthfully Ruth and Agola Law. Mm, the second one, which is the main one, actually. Tell us in the DM. You can DM me, but I think I'll put a post. Yeah, I not I think. I will put a post on Truthfully Ruth and you could write it down there. You could DM me. You could DM Agola at Agola Law. Something you do to cope with bad stroke hard days or hard mornings. So, for example... For me, it could be that I wake up and I watch cartoons, you know, and I just feel like after watching cartoons, having a bit of a laugh or just being distracted, I'm okay. Someone else can say meditating, whatever it is for you. Basically, something that makes you feel better. Put them under that post. DM me at Truthfully Ruth or at underscore Ruth underscore Lubai or at Agola Lord DM us. And the winners will be the ones who have the most creative yet healthy ways of making themselves feel better. If you have any questions about this giveaway, let me know. It starts running from now for two weeks. And I hope in those two weeks we can find deserving winners of the therapy sessions and that they help you to move forward. I'm really missing you guys. But until next time, stay focused, stay happy, and stay smiling. I love you guys.